Hey, gang, you know what's on my mind more than deleting all the annoying kids shows that show up in my YouTube watch history from over quarantine? Better marketing decisions. Yep, that's right. That's why I'm so excited to be supported by my friends at PureCars, who put the power of data and superior information into the hands of dealers where it belongs. Use PureCar to make better marketing decisions and get better results. Visit PureCars.com to get a free, no-risk, no-obligation digital strategy analysis today. That's PureCars.com. There's a lot of hype around shiny object, right? Like we, yep. there's shiny objects. Oh, look at the new software. Look at the new tool. Look at the new this and that. And then we, we, I'm not saying we like you and I, cause I don't really believe in this, but like the, as an industry, we kind of go and present those and say, here's the solution that's going to solve all of your problems. And most yep. often it comes down to no, what, what tools do I already have at my disposal? My website, I have social platforms. I have ad platforms. I have email marketing. What am I going to do with those? Because I don't think I've fully explored everything I can actually do yeah. with those. Email marketing. Somebody said it the other day. When somebody says that a certain method is dying, that's an indication that it's not dying. 100%. I love that you're saying that because I've said this a lot and I totally agree. Email marketing. So I've been doing this for a decade, a little more actually. And email marketing stats are exactly as the same as they were a decade ago. Meaning it's not better. It's not like it's skyrocketed. It's just not right. worse. It hasn't declined. The right. average open rate on an email is 15% in e-commerce. The average click-through rate is 3%. It has been that stat in terms of averages for probably 15 years. Before that, it was probably higher. It was probably better. So it declined at some point a long time ago, but then it just kind of steady state. And even to this day, like I'm, I'm an investor in an SMS platform. You would think it's competitive, but no, do both. And SMS is 10 times as effective as email marketing. It's just harder to get a phone number, but still it's a lot more effective, but both because different people respond to different modes of communication. Yeah. It's kind of like the, uh, it reminds me of the HubSpot method. Everybody thought it was controversial. It's like, I just want the ebook. Why do I have to put in my name, first name, last name, email, phone number, best time of day to contact you? What's your biggest marketing challenge? How big is your organization? And you just said something that triggered that thought process. And it was, it's harder, fewer people will get through, but the ones that get through are likely to be much, much more qualified so that when I do speak to them about that topic, they're more likely to take action. When you, it's a balance. We, we have a pretty big sales team at this point. It is always a balance between filtering out qualified leads and keeping the funnel open. But you start to realize as you scale early on, you want to take any lead you can get and figure it out. But you get to a point where you realize how much at scale time is wasted on shitty leads that you do start to want to filter those out. Even if you filter some of the good with the bad, the efficiency makes you so much more money. Yeah. Amazing. Now let's talk about email marketing for a minute, because especially you were just talking about your wife's leasing experience. Yeah. We, I was in a room yesterday with an individual from one of the OEMs. Um, it happens to be the, the vehicle that we bought. My wife loves her SUV, but the process to get that SUV. And by the way, I am a complete and total laydown. I want that one. That's how I buy cars. I want that one right there. Yeah. You know, oh, and I will hold on. Let's bring you back into the, no, I see. I want that one. Well, yeah. oh, how soon are you looking to buy? 
well, I have to pick my kids up from school in two hours and I'd like yeah. to do it in that one. <laughs> you know, like that's how I, yeah. it took 18 days to get delivery of this deal because, oh, we have to order the, the exact one from this store because you want the eight seat or the seven seater, not the eight seater. And, oh, actually we ordered the wrong one, but we forgot to tell you. So now you're wondering why it's been a week and I haven't heard anything about so, this vehicle that I bought. So it's this sort of thing. But then what happens? Robotic email marketing. Yeah. We take delivery and the, the next day it's like, would you please leave a, consider leaving us a high rating on, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not even going to touch this. Yeah. Um, but then, and then you're into this thing. And what's interesting about it is now, anytime I get any sort of communication from this dealership, because nobody took ownership of the poor experience. I yep. made everybody know when I picked up the car, I told the sales rep who demoed it for me. I told the finance person who told me that I point, I looked straight at the manager that screwed the whole deal up. And I'm like, you know how this could have been like everybody knew Yeah. to this day though, because nobody acknowledged and took ownership of that experience. Anytime I get a communication from that store, I'm like, and then you can't unsubscribe. Like it's a weird, yeah. you, it's not easy to unsubscribe. And so doing email marketing in a robotic way oh, and certainly on the back end of a poor experience just puts you in the opposite direction of yeah. loyalty and ascension. This might feel, make you feel better because we we ended up sticking it back to them. We had a dealership. We ordered a car. They told us it would be, you know, we want to make some changes. They're like, oh no, it's already shipped. It hadn't shipped. So we're like, okay, well then when are we going to get it? They're like mid January. I'm like, what day? They said January 15th, 15th rolled around nothing last Monday, whatever the day was rolled around nothing. And then they're like, well, it's going to be here on the 25th. I'm like, is it? And they're like, we'll let you know. Didn't hear anything until Saturday. In the meantime, we realized, Oh, COVID we're in LA. We don't need to be in LA. Why don't we go to Utah for the month? Like actually. And so we decided to book it. Then we went, Hey, this is actually a cool little game we could play. Why don't we go to Mexico for the month of April? Like it is actually that, that easy. Like right now, my company's only fully remote. We can be wherever we want. So now we're going to, so then we're sitting here and we're like, so we haven't got this car yet, but we're going to be gone all of February, gone all of April. I'm gone all of June with my wife home. I already have a car and we're only going to be home together for two months where there's not really that much to do in LA and we could probably have one. So we called them and said, you know what? Cancel it. We're not buying the car. We're going to wait till later this year. So they just lost a sale, have now a piece of inventory. I also asked to sign for it. I'm like, can I get the paperwork so I can just get this done so we can just get delivery and go? And yeah. they wouldn't send it to me. All right. Wow. We're done. And well, so now they just lost the sale completely. Now, now listen, DPB gang, my beloved gang, we're not saying this just to dog on y'all. No, and no, I mean, no, if no, you're yeah, listening to this, yeah. what I'm hoping is you, you, it, it's triggering you to go look at the friction points in your process. Exactly. No, because that, for example, if the, and they, when I said, never mind, please cancel the order, that was a week ago. They haven't responded. They haven't answered me. If they had said, oh, sorry to hear that. Can we talk about this? When are you going to need a car next, et cetera? And now what's going to happen is I'll probably need a car again in July or August is when we'll, because we're going, we're traveling back and forth a lot. So we're just going to go find the best deal now again and go to somewhere else. If this dealership had actually built a relationship with us, we would have gone right back to them going, yeah, sorry, we're going to hold off. If they had let us sign, we would have had a car right now, but they didn't. Wow. So then it was like, okay, well, we're going to hold off but we still need to buy a car in a few months. So like, we'll just come right back to you. And now we don't even have that because there's no loyalty because why? We don't even have a relationship. They haven't taken care of us. They haven't responded to my last message. Wow. What, what's your take on to this end kind of segueing into 
yeah. a shiny object. Yeah. Um, what, what's your thoughts on emerging trends like car purchasing online, the Vrooms, the Carvanas, the, um, what, what am I missing? There, there's another one that I'm missing. This, uh, this idea of you can here? just buy it online and the car shows up in your driveway, kind of like the Tesla model. Now dealers are scrambling, especially with COVID, where they're like, we have to be able to di- digitally retail a vehicle. And so now their focus is all on this, this tech. My opinion is that's fantastic. However, what about the segment of the market like my mother-in-law who believes that if she doesn't specifically click the sign out button on her Yahoo email account that her emails start floating out into the ether, like she's never going to buy a car online. So what about this this segment of the market or these segments of the market who still are in a position to buy a vehicle who will never buy online? Do you have a process to support this because it's still going to come down to experience in my opinion but i'm curious on your take i think that you you know i'm all for omni-channel meaning when things pop up that are good places to sell cars do it and so if you can take advantage of platforms out there don't jump in early i don't think there's a lot of benefit in being an early adopter of these platforms but i think once you see traction pick up and they're actually selling cars and you start hearing your customers went on what's the big one out here fair is the big one in mm, la right like once you hear, hear that taking off then it's like okay maybe we should look into how, because Fair is partnered with dealerships. So why wouldn't you? It's another channel to sell cars. So I think, you know, if history shows us one thing, it's resistance to innovation tends to leave you behind. So I think it's a balance. Don't chase the shiny object. Don't be the first mover. But once there's a market created and it seems to be a good revenue stream, do it. It's like all the fashion brands that resisted e-commerce forever. And now in COVID, they're screwed because that's where all purchases went. And so versus all the companies that jumped into it did really well. So don't get me wrong, there'll be wasted effort when it comes to innovation. And also don't, you, as I agree with you, don't chase the shiny object the first time it comes on market. But as you start to see actually trends uh, surface, go for both. Because I agree with you, there's going to be people that jump in and people that don't. And painting a broad brush or like, I guess, if you're starting your business from scratch and someone goes, you're going to start a business. Uh, would you rather see if you can open it up to any customer that wants to buy a car? Or would you rather focus on just the people that don't like the internet? Right. Like I'm going to go for everyone. Like I'm going to open it up and like maybe you, there's a brand, a niche to be built around people that hate the internet that want to buy cars, but I don't really care to play it. That's not what I'm trying to build. I'm just trying to build a nice car, car dealership. I'm actually invested into car dealerships. And so I'd rather open it up to all types of distribution. Oh, see, well, there, there's a little gem. Had no, so you're a dealer essentially. <laughs> In a sense. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, In like a Mark Wahlberg kind of way. Right. Because I think he's bought two or three or invested in it. Definitely not my name on it. I'm like a silent minority investor that gets checked. But yeah. (laughs) Um, So, so my question to that point is how do you, um, how do you navigate all of the things that you could do and whittle it down to the things that you should do? Uh, I look at the actual friction in the business. So instead of saying like, here, the things you could do are infinite. So it's actually like, where do I, in this is where you just have to be a good business owner. Like, where do I see the biggest friction that has the biggest opportunity? What are the biggest levers to pull in the low hanging fruit that I, that actually affect my business currently? Where am I having challenges and how do I fix those? That's what I focus on. It's less about what could I do? And then in terms of new opportunities, expansion opportunities, I look at less friction dealing with that right now. I'm um, sorry, Google is going off, but, uh, I, I looked at, uh, yeah, where the less least friction to get something going with the highest opportunity. Because what I noticed too is 
a lot of people go into new innovation and want to build out their business, open another dealership, whatever it is. And they go for something that's really challenging. And through that process, the return on their actual effort becomes way lower. And so I try to find things that I can seamlessly add to my business by hiring one more person or building out a little bit of spending a little time on it, but then it, it folds right in nicely versus launching something completely new that takes a ton of my time to build that thing out because the risk reward, the risk is my time on a lot of these things. Mm. And so if I have to spend a ton of time on it, then the risk reward ratio goes way down versus even if the reward's similar or bigger, I try to find things that I can, again, really easily launch off of what I'm doing and use it as a platform. So with dealerships, again, I'd be looking at stuff that are really easy to integrate, really easy to get going and fix all those first and then start to look at those things. Michael Cirillo, and you've been listening to the Dealer Playbook Podcast. If you haven't yet, please click the subscribe button wherever you're listening right now. Leave a rating or review and share it with a colleague. If you're ready to make big changes in your life and career and want to connect with positive, nurturing automotive professionals, join my exclusive DPB Pro community on Facebook. That's where we share information, ideas, and content that isn't shared anywhere else. I can't wait to meet you there. Thanks for listening.